Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications. And, of course, upvote the video and participate in the comment section below. I'm here with Derek Vandegrift. We're going to talk a little Maryland Terrapins. Whenever I lived in Baltimore, Derek, I, I did this earlier in the show. There was a radio station called WHFS. It was HFS. And their mm-hmm. whole thing was every time they said Maryland Terrapins, somebody would go, let's go Terps. Yeah, it just it, that was just over and over. And that is in my head to this day. So that is going to get me into a little bit of trouble over the next couple of weekends because every time I hear Maryland Terrapins, I think of that. Yeah, yeah. You you don't need to break out any let's go Terps over here over, over the next four weekend uh, uh, games for us now. You, you got to switch over to some hotty toddies or something like that. Yeah, the funny thing is, I'm not even a Maryland fan. It's just one of those things where I've heard it so much on the radio, it just stuck in yeah. my head. It's it's yeah, just, just muscle memory at this point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I, I went to um, a school in the Navy in Fort Meade, Maryland, which is right outside Baltimore. So mm-hmm. I had a year basically living in and around the Maryland Terrapins. Oh, uh, cool. Anyway, before we get started, though, I do want to say, on the second segment of this show, we talked about it and got my opinion, but I want to get Derek's opinion on this as well. Now, the situation with Hunter Elliott, whenever we started getting news early in the afternoon that was something was wrong, everybody just assumed, oh, this is terrible, this is catastrophic, this is awful. And then it turned into a cascading thing where media members tried to basically outdo themselves and try to mm-hmm. be first. But whenever Mike Bianco actually talked about what happened, None of that was anywhere near that. It Really, that was a non-answer answer. And if it was as catastrophic as people said, there would have been an answer. So honestly, what's the are people just trying to be first on this? Yeah, that's just kind of the, the day and age we live in right now with media, right? Uh, everybody wants to be first and not exactly right. Uh, that's, you know, we, we did a Twitter space on Tuesday night, you know, when all this was coming out and then the, the old Miss game was winding down at that point. And, you know, we touched on it briefly, but, you know, we didn't really say anything about it because there really was no official news and that's what you want to wait on. And, and one thing you got to give Mike Bianco credit for throughout all of his time at Ole Miss, when, when an injury like this pops up, if it is that bad and it is that clear cut, he doesn't sit there and try to hide it from you for weeks, right? Like he's, he'll, he'll go ahead and come out and tell you that if it's that bad and He's got to have Tommy John, something like that. And he just comes out and tells you and they shut down for the year and it's time to move on and find other guys. And uh, he, he was given the opportunity to do that last night and, and he didn't do it. And quite frankly, I came away a little more encouraged after his statement last night than reading all of the people on Twitter and uh, other baseball writers, stuff like that, coming out talking about the potential Hunter Elliott injury so uh but you know what what mike said you know he he felt fine friday uh felt fine after the game friday after he pitched through 90 pitches five innings picked up the win for us um saturday complained of a little bit of of discomfort and tightness in that forearm which does always scare you but it wasn't anything that you know he he never lost feeling in his hand never had that tingling feeling anything like that didn't really hurt it was just tight and uncomfortable through his bullpen, and, uh, you know, if, if it was something real bad, they never would have let him go out there and even pick up a baseball, much less throw a bullpen. So got through it. It was still tight. still didn't hurt, anything like that. Seen him off for the MRIs and all, and 
Um, you know, I, I had to have MRIs done on my knee last week, and I got them back in less than a day. So I know that a preseason second-team All-American can get his back in, in less than a day. And <clears throat> if there was something catastrophic on on that MRI, then, then we would already know about it because, like I said, it's not really something that Mike does is hide it from us. So, uh, you know, I think they're just kind of gathering opinions, getting the rest of it looked at. They, they, they use several orthopedics. You know, it's just kind of what they do. And – and tried to get a bunch of different opinions. But if it was as clear cut as some people made it sound like, then, you know, we we would already know about that. So hopefully, you know, this is a situation where he can get some rest and, uh, you know, it'll heal up on himself. I, I don't know if you remember or not, Stephen, back a couple years ago, kind of went through this with Doug Nikhazy. <clears throat> he felt a little bit of tightness and, and we shut him down for a few weeks. And obviously there was speculation. It's not what you want to hear. Somebody having trouble in the elbow forearm area. But, uh, you know, after, after I think it was two or three weeks we shut him down, he came back and he was absolutely nails. I don't think he lost a game the rest of the year for us. Uh, so hopefully we get another situation like that. But the best thing to do is to, you know, sit back, let it play out, and uh, let Mike Bianco and those guys get all the information back from all the different doctors and, and see what route to take from there. Yeah, and, and in case anybody knows, I am a professional at getting MRIs. I've had – probably 17 MRIs in the last three years. And my appointment for the reading of the MRI is two hours after I get the MRI. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a relatively quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and like, like I said, I'm sure they got results. There was probably something in there they didn't particularly like, but obviously not something that was so catastroph- catastrophic and, uh, and clear-cut that, that they want to go ahead and make decisions now. So... You know, give him some rest, let Jack Doherty get in there. And, uh, you know, we got a good guy with some experience coming into that Friday night, rolled some really good stuff for us and, you know, really big weekend ahead. And hopefully after two, three weeks, something like that, maybe he can be ready for SEC play. All right, let's talk about the Maryland Terrapins. What are we looking at coming into Oxford? Uh, a very, very good baseball team. Uh, they, they won the Big Ten last year and the clear-cut favorite to win it again this year. Um, it's a team that can really swing it, but, you know, we're, we're going to face uh, a real ace come Friday night with uh, Jason Savickle. He's a preseason second-team All-American coming into this year. He's one of the top prospects in the Big Ten uh, for, for this year. He's, you know, a pretty big kid. He, he had a good year last year, went 8-3 with a 293 ERA, 123 strikeouts and 107 innings. Uh, doesn't walk a lot of guys. Struggled a little bit in his first start of the year against South Florida. You know, he, he went six innings, gave up five earned, only struck out five. But, but you know, this is the guy that, that you've got to get past on Friday night to set yourself up for a winning weekend. And, and it's even more important this weekend with Hunter being out. But like I said, you slide Jack Doherty right in there and, you know, you've got a guy that can go pitch to pitch with him. Uh, so that's the first thing that stood out to me. Second thing is the way they hit the ball, man. They are really, really good at the plate. Uh, they've got the best catcher in the country. Um, in Oxford, you're going to see probably two of the top three shortstops in the entire country this year uh, with Jacob Gonzalez and, and Matt Shaw. He, he had a really, really good year last year. Uh, hit 290, 22 home runs, and then goes up to the Cape Cod, and he leads the entire league with like a 320-something batting average. Um, you know, he, he comes back and he, he swings it real well. The catcher's really interesting, Luke Schleiger. He's a really good receiver and a really good defensive catcher. He can really control the run game, kind of like uh, Dunhurst and Cooper Johnson have been able to do for us. 
the last several years. Uh, but what's so interesting is his bat. He's he's a high average hitter. He's a power hitter, uh, and 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 he runs. He had 14 stolen bases last year. You know, he's he's a guy that that can contribute in every single facet of a baseball game, especially from the catcher position. And that's something you don't see a whole lot. So I'm I'm really interested to see him play. Um, and then they've got uh, Nick Larusso for the the third baseman, another really good hitter. Hit 322 with 15 bombs last year. Kevin Keister at second base, 317 with 11 bombs. And, you know, just kind of looking back at their year last year, you see all of these guys that have anywhere from, you know, nine all the way up to 22 home runs. There's probably like eight of them returning this year. It's crazy. Uh, but but the thing that really caught my eye is how many doubles they hit. Every one of them are, had, had, have hit anywhere from 11 to 20-something doubles on top of it too. So it's a team that – that really strikes the ball well, really hits the ball hard, and can do more than just send it out of the ballpark. They they just eat you alive with extra bases. Um, <clears throat> and they've got another really good starter, too. Their Saturday guy's real good. Um, he's one of the top, I want to say, 20 prospects, 15 prospects, something like that, coming out of the Big Ten. Uh, his name's Nick Dean, and, and he just showed out last week against South Florida in that big bounce-back game for Maryland. Six innings, one hit, one walk, eight strikeouts, guy with a really live arm. Um, really good stuff. It's it's going to be the first challenge of the year, and it's going to be really exciting to see it because this is one thing that we kind of lacked last year. If you look back at last year's team, we didn't have this big non-conference series to kind of gear us up for the SEC slate. And, uh, boy, we're we're really going to have our hands full this weekend, really excited to see it. And you're, you're going to see guys all over the field that, that can play in the majors one day. Yeah, it's going to be a really big series. It looks like we're going to see it Friday night guy twice, um, essentially. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, with our rotation, Jack Doherty, Friday night, Saturday, mm-hmm. Sonia, Sunday, yeah. Rivas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see any reason to change those last two, you know. Uh, Doherty, he's he's the kind of guy that, that you've kind of wondered since he got on campus. You know, if you remember back his true freshman year, you didn't see him until like the last third of the year when we were really searching for a pitcher, especially in the midweek. That was the year that we really struggled in those midweek games. And, uh, you know, in, in practice, he had that big fastball that, that people just couldn't catch up with. It's a really high spin rate fastball that makes it heavy. Um, and, and he already throws it 94, 95. So when it's heavy on top of that, it's really hard to catch up with. And, you know, then last year he, he's in the bullpen most of the year. And then you get to Omaha in the postseason and, you know, he's – one of your best arms coming out of the pen starts that national championship game for you in game one. And uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, had the longest perfect game for, for, for a national championship series in Omaha going before it got broke, broken up there uh, in the fifth or sixth inning, whatever it was back then. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're really excited to get him out there. It's, it's a capable arm. It sucks. You're pulling that out of your bullpen. Cause that's the one question mark you had coming into this year. Um, but like I said, then you go Saunier, uh, Xavier Rivas, who I was really impressed with this past weekend. Uh, he threw harder than I thought he did. I thought he would sit more 88, 89, and he was consistently 90, 91. Uh, I don't know if maybe he was just juiced up or something like that, but, uh, he, he was throwing the ball hard than I thought he would. Uh, one, one funny quote from his post game, they asked him what it was like throwing in front of that many people. And the last time he had thrown in front of that many people. He said, "Oh, you know, I've, I've I've never thrown in front of this many people. So, you know, last year there was more people at the game Sunday than there was last year 
all combined for the entire year. You know, at the D2 Indianapolis school, they'd have like 20 parents in the stands for, for starts, you know. So I'm sure he was juiced up, but, uh, you know, really liked what I saw from him. Sonia obviously has, has the really good stuff. If he can kind of harness it and control it a little bit, get his nerves under control. So uh, I think we're in okay shape. We need some of these young pitchers to step up and, and fill that void that Doherty's leaving in the bullpen. Uh, at least until we can get Hunter back if he is able to come back. And if he's not, then they need to step up and uh, and be able to eat innings for us, you know. Uh, and, and I think we have a lot of very capable young arms that can do that. Uh, we, we saw JT Quinn last night, right? You know, you, you saw the stuff that he has. Uh, big fastball, doesn't duck, duck move as much as you want it to. You want to have some cuts, some runs, some sinks, something like that. And his is a little flatter than you want to be, but a big-time curveball, I think, is is what really impressed me uh, Tuesday night from JT. So that's that's a young arm. Takui and pitched really well for us. Come in, guys, out of that bases loaded, one-out jam. Uh, the, he's he's really impressed me so far this year. And then you've still got guys like Mitch Morrell and uh, Jackson Kimbrell, those kind of guys. And you saw Mason Nichols come in Tuesday night, too, and just pick up right where he left off. Looks like he's going to have a fantastic year. And, He's just going to slide right into that closer role for us, right? So, uh, you know, definitely some questions on that pitching staff, but we've we've got the guys that, that can come in and, and hopefully eat up innings and, and fill in those holes for us. All right, before we get out of here, what would be an acceptable result for Ole Miss? That, what would be a good result, I should say, for Ole Miss this weekend? Well, you know, you, you want to take two out of three against the top 15 team, right, especially at home. So uh, Friday is, is definitely the big game if we end up getting – Friday night's game, then I think you can start thinking about possibly taking three from them. Uh, they they really struggle out of the bullpen. Maryland does. Uh, their, their Sunday starter, uh, Nate Happerthayer, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, he struggled a little bit, pitched fine. He's a transfer from Ohio State. Uh, really struggled last year. So that's one guy that, that maybe you, you think you had an advantage pitch, pitching Revis across from him there. And, and look, one, one thing about Ole Miss this year is there's going to be times where we just outslug people. I mean, this offense has been absolutely ridiculous. I know we haven't had the toughest competition so far. If we go and put 10 runs up against Jason Savicle Friday night, then, I mean, Lord, we, we might end up averaging 12 for the entire year because that's, that's a really good pitcher. But this is a really good lineup with a lot of different options. Uh, saw Tuesday night Taiwan Malone be able to come in and, and get a home run, you know, and uh, Will Furnish just keeps it, and that, that kid's going to be absolutely incredible for us. But uh, top to bottom, there's, there's going to be games we're able to slug our way to it, and if we end up finding enough arms, then, you know, we have a chance to be really, really special again this year. But, yeah, you, you go into the weekend wanting to take two out of three. That's always the mindset, especially series like this. You know, last week we talked about really needing to get out of there with all three of them, considering who we were playing. But, Go ahead, you're at home, take two out of three, win the series, move on and get up to Minneapolis and, and play that Big Ten tournament up there next weekend. Yeah, outstanding. Um, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first and listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place, plus you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, players, it's going to be really great. Anyway, Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Derek, thank you so much for stopping by today. Hope you enjoy the games this weekend, and I look forward to talking to you again next week, bud. All right, buddy. Hi, Toddy. Hotty toddy.